Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Guys and a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. Well, as we promised, we're going to come back to some requests, especially some requests that we received during Request Month. So today's film is one that actually has been on my radar, but I I don't think it's been on our, any of our lists uh, that we've composed together. So I was really glad that Robin contacted us through our Facebook page and suggested that we do The Lair of the White Worm by director Ken Russell, infamous director Ken Russell. I'll just briefly tell you uh, my backstory with Lair of the White Worm, which is not much. I remember being a kid probably in the um, early 90s, and my dad rented this movie from the video store and watched it by himself. And <laughs> I remember coming up to him the next day as we were returning it and seeing the cover like, that's bizarre. This doesn't look like the kind of thing my dad would normally rent. And I said, so how was it? Did you enjoy it? And he said, hmm... It wasn't really what I expected. <laughs> so what does that mean, Dad? Mm, no, I didn't really enjoy it. <laughs> Which, totally, now I'm watching the film, is, is absolutely what my dad's take on this movie would That's be. Funny. <laughs> but uh, unfortunately, so it's been, it's been kind of, like I said, on my radar for a while, but I, we hadn't seen it until today. I never even heard of it. Which is kind of surprising to me. I don't recall seeing it at the video store. I, you know, I was surprised to see that it stars a very, very young Hugh Grant. Yeah. I was just really surprised I hadn't heard of it. And then I started watching it, and I'm like, ugh. Like, I watched, like, the first, I don't know, whatever, 15 minutes, and I was like, oh, it's going to be some stuffy British film. Like, uh, okay, so, like, <laughs> there's, like, some snake people or something, whatever. Uh, and then it gets to one scene, and I'm like, wait, what? What? <laughs> what? What is happening? <laughs> and then from then on, I was like, holy shit. Like, what is going on in this movie? It's crazy. From then on, you were hooked, huh? <laughs> I don't know if I would say I was hooked. I was shocked. Like... Oh my gosh, it was it was wild. Like this is a cra- this is one of the craziest movies that we've done. And we have mm. done some crazy ones. You know, the crazy movies that we've done have been so crazy that they're not really comparable aside from the fact that they are so crazy and bizarre and out there. But like this was giving me shades of like society mm. or or even like the boxer's omen like yeah. <laughs> Like it's 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 nuts. It's a nutso film. And before I even watched it, I read some stuff about it, and I read like that uh, Hugh Grant won't even talk about it. Like he really, like he refu- yeah, like he refuses to discuss this movie at all. Which I think is a little bit silly, but I kind of yeah. get it. Like it's it's out there. <laughs> well, it's out there and crazy in a very respectable British way. <laughs> Yeah, I guess. <laughs> well, maybe not respectable, but yeah, very, very. It's it's its own flavor of crazy. Like it's not trauma crazy. It is its own. No, 
its own flavor. Like you said, it starts out and it seems like it's going to be this sort of stuffy British Gothic horror film. And then it turns into this wackadoodle at times, like a mute, like a a bad eighties music video. (laughs) I was thinking, I was thinking like house, you know, with some of those visuals, you remember house. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Not, not house. Like, like how Sue, how Sue. Yeah. The Japanese one did. um, Have you ever seen any of Ken Russell's other films by chance? I don't know. I don't know what else he's done. Maybe the one you're most likely to have seen would be Altered States. No, I haven't seen it. I know what it is, but I haven't seen it. He also did a very notorious film uh, called The Devils. And actually, it's so controversial that Warner Brothers, even to this day, refuses to release it in its uncut state. That one has to do with nuns, too, doesn't it? Yeah, it's kind of an obsession of his. He he likes nuns and Catholic imagery and stuff in his movies. And shocking, weird stuff. Like... It's just sort of his M.O. He started out as a BBC television director uh, and, you know, directed episodes of things and and developed series and stuff and and got more and more kind of outlandish and out there and then moved into film. And I guess maybe maybe the one the other one you're most likely to have seen would be Tommy. He did the Who's Tommy. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've seen that. And almost all of his films have actually been pretty successful commercially. I think for two reasons. First of all, because of the controversy. I think he, he he's not a Roger Corman, I think, who does controversial things just to make a buck because he knows where his bread is buttered. I just mm-hmm. think he's kind of a whacked out there kind of guy. And so his movies are so controversial and have all this weird stuff in it that's bound to stir people up. And so they end up, you know, bringing people out. To, to see them. Uh, but then the second thing is, honestly, they're well made. There's a lot of symbolism and imagery in here. The, the filmmaking is, is a high quality, I think. He, he is a very respected, respected director, even though I don't know if there's a critic on the planet that's willing to say everything he's put out has been gold. And this one tends to be on people's list of the maybe the more silver or bronze level stuff that he's done. I read that he did this movie uh, as part of a like four or five picture deal with a studio. Yeah. That was because his film Gothic, which we should probably do. Uh, I'm curious yeah. about it anyway. I know I've seen it. I remember that from the video store. There was like a uh, like a little imp you know, goblin y kind yeah. of guy. Yeah, I remember that. You've seen it? Or just well, the... I I have seen it, but I just I don't remember it. I just remember the cover. <laughs> yeah, it's like about um, the night that Mary Shelley invented the right. Frankenstein story, right. and a lot of his movies actually are takes on um, old historical novels. You know, mm-hmm. as is this one. Yeah, as is this one, which is uh, based on a Bram Stoker novel called *The Lair of the White Worm*. I've even seen people liken this to—I think it was Roger Ebert—liken this movie to something that Roger Corman would have put out, just because of its theme and its tone. And and he really considered this a pretty schlocky B-grade movie. He didn't give it a very high rating, but I don't know. I- I'll be interested to hear your take on it as well as we talk about it because it's got. It's got some layers. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. And, like, I'm not – I don't consider myself to be, you know, like an avant-garde, artsy kind of guy. I, I'm much more straightforward in my tastes. But th- this – I don't know. I was I was actually kind of impressed. The Im- Some of the imagery in this movie is really controversial. <laughs> <laughs> you know, here I am, ironically, a gay Catholic, but, <laughs> but like, there's lots of, sh- gosh, I don't even know how to describe it. Okay, so Phallic. there's a lot of, 
Well, yeah, um, but uh, I was going more for the Catholic, you know, side oh. of it. L- lots of um, Christian imagery in a very God. You would almost call it sacrilegious. I can see how if somebody were a very religious person, they might be kind of offended by some of the imagery in this movie because it's pretty crazy. It, but anyway, it starts out. Well, first of all, it's by Vestron. I loved Vestron. Vestron put out great <laughs> horror movies in in the eighties, and I was, you know, I was just watching the. I didn't know that it was uh, based on a novel by Bram Stoker. I'd never heard of this title before. But it starts out this guy Angus is doing an excavation. I guess like at his girlfriend's house, like. That was kind of weird, whatever. Yeah. Or, or, or was it his girlfriend even, or is he just yeah. there? I, just, I don't know. He's kind of a friend. It's, it's, she's not his girlfriend yet, but he's definitely a friend. But it's hard to see what their relationship is at this point, yeah. Sure. So he's doing some – he's an archaeologist. He's doing an excavation, and right away he finds this giant skull, and it looks like a snake skull. You know, I, I read that they actually fabricated it using, you know, cow skulls and – whatever but you know it looks cool and then he also finds like some coins with some weird imagery like one of them has like a serpent like wrapped around a cross and then we go to a hoedown in a church (laughs) it's like a disco hoedown (laughs) (laughs) right where we get this great song about this legend of this giant worm now the worm got fat and growed, and growed an awful size, with great big teeth and a great big mouth and great big goggle eyes. And when at night it crawled about, all looking for some booze. If it fell dry upon the road, it milked a dozen coos. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's all very celebratory, and, and they've got, like, this giant white worm puppet that a bunch of people are, like, dance, dancing around in. Yeah. It's kind of the equivalent of the Chinese New Year dragon yes. puppet yes. dance kind of thing. Yeah, that they're sneaking yeah. around through the crowd as they dance. It's cool. Sure. It's, it's cool, and it's kind it's of freaky, fun. too. It is, but it's fun. It's all about how, I guess, you know, this worm, this white worm, which really, you know, was a snake or a dragon or whatever, um, used to terrorize this area. But an ancestor of Hugh Grant's, uh, Hugh Grant's name is James Dampton, and one of his ancestors fought the snake and cut it in half. And so, like, they do this whole thing where, like, you know, the big, you know, puppet snake or whatever, you know, breaks into two pieces and then is dancing around in, in two halves or whatever. It's celebratory. It's fun. Yeah. And, and that kind of sets up the lore uh, of what's going on. Meanwhile, we've got these two sisters who are also in attendance. It's Mary and Eve, right? Eve is yep. the other one? Yeah. Yep. They live, and I guess run kind of like a bed and breakfast type deal? I guess uh, so. They're, he's the landlord. Well, he's like kind of, he's the lord, right, of the, right. the manor. And so this is sort of his party and it you know, goes back generations. All of this legend or whatever is within his family. And then he is the landlord of this house that the two sisters live in. And they are orphaned, fairly recently orphaned, just like a couple years ago, I guess. And they're living in a house on his property, which is kind of funny that this other guy has been excavating on his property and hasn't even been asking him about it. But 
Yes, and they meet at this party, actually, the two sisters. It turns out that Eve is sort of a girlfriend of James. Mary is a girlfriend, well, friend, anyway, so far, of Angus. And I thought this meeting scene, again, this just... I really like what Ken Russell does visually. This meeting scene is so interesting because the guy who plays Angus, Peter Capaldi, at this young age... The way that he's done up in this movie almost looks like Hugh Grant's brother or like his twin. They have such a similar look, don't you think? I don't know. I think Hugh Grant is very pretty, and this guy is a little bit more rustic. But Yeah, I mean, I agree, but if you kind of squint and you look at them both on the screen, their nose, they're kind of their facial structure, everything, almost down to their hair, except the one guy's hair is a little more done up than the others. They, they meet at the buffet table of this party. And they're talking with each other, and they're figuring out, oh, this is how how I ended up being here. They tells the lore about the worm and everything, finds out that he's been digging in his yard, and mentions that he's found this skull, uh, which James takes an interest in, because it's part of his family legend. In the meantime, this just the way that this is framed, they're exactly, you could bisect the scene down the middle. And it looks to me, anyway, like a split screen, where okay. the two sisters look very similar, yeah, and they're yeah. right next to the two guys. You know, they're almost like mirror images of each other. And this had to be intentional, you know? Yeah. It, it, it's a cool framing. But then this buffet that they're at, if you really look at it, and it gets called out later, but if you really look at it while it's going on, you see there's just all this, like, disgusting kind of stuff on there. It's like the party is done up. This worm party is done up to like almost like a Halloween type yeah. affair, right? So there are like tentacles coming out of the jello. And in the meantime, uh, James is giving uh, Angus some stuff on his plate, and Angus is eating it. Uh, and uh, after a while, Angus, uh, toward the end of their conversation, Angus says, Oh, this is pretty good. I'll have some more. And Hugh Grant says, Oh, you want some more? Mm. It's very, very good. Oh, good. So you've taken to our local speciality. Pickled earthworms in aspic is not to everyone's taste, I can tell you. Ooh. <laughs> to which he kind of, like, chokes a little bit. And, and they're just these bits of humor, and also, like, if I was making a drinking game for this movie, I would say, drink every time there's some kind of funny joke or wordplay or kind of visual thing going on. And drink every time there's some reference, oblique or not, to worms. Uh-huh. Because it is jam-cram-packed in this movie in every scene you could possibly imagine. Some reference to worms. And it became kind of a game for me after a while to make sure I spotted or heard all of them. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, know. there are a lot. And it is, and I see what you're saying. Like, I hadn't considered it, but even, you know, with the girls who... Our sisters, of course, so of course they should look a little bit alike, but the one that is paired with James, Hugh Grant, is kind of the more traditionally pretty one, and the one who is paired with Angus is kind of, she looks to me a lot like Kate McKinnon from Saturday Night Live. Yes, um, yeah, spitting image, honestly, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, so you've got like the kind of polished up pair and the more rustic pair. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I see the duality that you, you've got going on there. And there's so much, like I, I have, this isn't even a long movie and I have so many notes and I'm, I'm trying not to get too caught up in the details, but the girl's parents are missing and have been for a while. Like I wasn't really clear on how long they've been missing and they've recently Somebody has found their dad's watch um, at Stone Rig Cavern, which 
isn't important at this point, but becomes important later on. So that's why I bring it up. Anyway, then this other lady, Lady Sylvia, shows up. Like, she's just kind of sneaking around outside or something, and a cop, you know, sees her, and then he gets bit by a snake, and she sucks the venom out of his leg, which is kind of sensual and weird, but, you know, I wasn't thinking too much of it yet. You know, I'm thinking, okay, this lady, you know, she's the mysterious lady who shows up. This is a Bram Stoker book. She's probably scary <laughs> somehow, <laughs> whatever. I, you know, I don't know. Well, yeah, you get that from the very beginning, don't you? Even when she appears. Well, and she's very, she's very beautiful and sensual and so you know you just kind of get that vibe from her that there's something sinister about her well and you know you're watching a movie called lair of the white worm and you're getting all these white worm references thrown in your face even just in this first 10 minutes of this movie so when she shows up and she's dressed all in white right uh, and she's got that you know thing and she owns this home called the temple house uh, which is this big mansion that's nearby that apparently is only she's only in during the springtime or whatever, and she's gone most right. of the other time. And so, uh, yeah, that whole scene with her and the cop in there, who, by the way, uh, is played by um, Paul Brook, who I recognized immediately as um, Mr. Fitzherbert from the the Bridget Jones's Diary. <laughs> You know. I just I recognized him because he's got a wonky eye. I knew yeah. I had seen him before. What is it? Yeah. What is it about British actors and wonky eyes? How many how many know. how many wonky eyed <laughs> British character actors are there that you're like, oh, it's that guy? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Lady Sylvia goes by the sister's house while they're out, and she steals the skull, and then like she walks up to a crucifix. And we just get this shot of her with these, like, it's out of nowhere. Like, in one moment, she's just, you know, regular Lady Sylvia. And then we cut to, like, a close-up of her. And she's got, like, these three-inch fangs, like, snake fangs and, like, scary snake eyes. And she shoots, I don't know, venom, I guess, out of her mouth onto the crucifix. And I'm like, oh, well, that's weird, but okay, whatever. <laughs> And it comes out of nowhere. Right, it comes and out it of nowhere. And it leaves just as quickly. I mean, and, and it was a little bit scary, I thought. I mean, it was shock, yeah, kind oh. of shock, you know, jump scare kind of moment. Yeah, well, and, and it looks good. Like, it's funny, because she has these fangs at various points throughout the movie, and other characters have them at some points throughout the movie, and they're huge, and they look fantastic. But it's obvious that the actors can't close their mouths mm. with those fangs in, so they just have to walk around <laughs> with their mouths open. wide open, <laughs> which is kind of hilarious. But anyway, so she steals the skull and she leaves. Okay, and then James and Eve come back to the house after the, you know, fun night of dancing or whatever, and this was the moment. Like, Eve is walking upstairs. She's like, oh, I'm tired. I gotta go to bed or whatever. She notices something gross on the wall and on the crucifix, and she goes and she touches it, and then it was... It's one of the trippiest scenes I've ever seen in my life. And there are several of them throughout, but this is where they begin. And it's just like a punch in the face. Like, yeah, <laughs> ev everything has been, you know, so kind of subdued and very British and, you know, up until this point. And then all of a sudden we're in like this surreal, it, it, it felt like a painting, you know, like, yeah, but 
but it was, you know, live action, obviously. And Jesus on the crucifix against this kind of technicolor background and this huge white snake wrapped all around Jesus and the crucifix. And then there are these scary, there are like nuns, like praying in front of the crucifix. And then these gladiators come out and graphically, I mean, not like porn graphically, but pretty graphically like rape the nuns. And there, there is some brief like topless nudity with these nuns, but they're still like in their, I don't know what you call the top part, but like the headpiece of their habits. And so it's just, it's really shocking. Like I was shocked. (laughs) <laughs> and, and it's also really cheap looking in a film in a movie that honestly has been quite beautiful up to this point and really almost noir uh, in the way that it's been filmed with uh, lots of shadow and, and and really good costume and grandiose and beautiful settings you get what you just described and it's it looks like like a shot on video music video kind of I get look to it. I get what you're saying. I, I, I can totally see that. Like an eighties music video. And this is you know, the movie's from what, eighty eight? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. so it is the eighties, whatever. But to me it didn't look so much like cheap as it looked like this is a stylistic choice that we're making. Um, oh yes, yeah. I I agree. I was actually kind of impressed. Like, to be, I, I felt a little dirty. Like, <laughs> oh my god, what is happening? And like in the in the vision, like Lady Sylvia is there, but she's like this demon snake lady. It's crazy. Like it is. It's just absolutely insane. And then it's over, and she passes out. I don't know. Then it goes on from there, and then it gets back more into some of the realistic stuff. But and there are several of these scenes throughout. And then when we get to the end, you know, it it, it all kind of culminates in these things kind of coming into their reality, not just being visions or whatever. But I have to give it credit for just it. It totally caught me off guard. I was surprised, honestly. You know, I. I'm not easily offended or easily shocked, even when it comes to, like, religious iconography or and stuff. You know, like, I go to church and blah, blah, whatever, but I'm not easily shocked by these things. But it just, it happens so quickly, and it's so in your face. I was like, holy crap, like... <laughs> <laughs> It, like, I, I feel like I literally I, – well, I know I did. I I literally paused it and was just trying to write down everything that I could remember because I was like, oh, my God, that was wild. <laughs> yeah, I know. It really was. And I think the whole movie tonally is kind of like this too. There are moments where the film – is very, I think, well-structured and very well-played. There are moments where it just seems like a cheap B-movie. Like, for example, not long after this, there's a scene of, a like, a Boy Scout. Yes! He's, 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 <laughs> it just comes out of nowhere to it. He's hitchhiking through the woods, and she comes, and she picks him up, and she takes him back to his lair. Sylvia, Lady or, Sylvia. Yes, Sylvia yeah. does, sorry. Comes and picks him up and brings him back. And she's... 
she's saying these lines, and there's so many of these lines in this movie, and I think the movie is just so much more charming with this stuff in it. There's some system you've got there. How do you rate the music? I'm not really into it, banging. Are you into any sort of banging? I'm not bad on the math, Organ. <laughs> You're sweet. What's your name? Kevin. You might call me Kev. Ah. Look. Kev, you're soaked. We're passing my door. Why didn't you come in and dry off? It'd be getting dark soon. A big boy like you, afraid of the dark? No, I just don't want to be late for my dinner at the youth hostel, that's all. Don't worry, you'll leave me well satisfied. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and he's looking down at her garter, which is showing and all that. They're just all these little lines. And this Kevin guy, who's, I think, play an actor playing a, a person who is supposed to be much younger than he really is. Nonetheless, is like the dopey, doesn't really get it kind of Boy Scout guy. And the next scene, the next shot is of them playing freaking snakes and ladders <laughs> in, front, in front of a fire. And all you see is a shot down on the board of them playing snakes and ladders for a good, like, minute while they do it. Yeah. And then a shot of him, and he's kind of bundled up, you know, by the fire, getting warm or whatever, laying down. And then a shot of her, and again, bam, like it hits you in the face. She's in the sexy lingerie. Yes! <laughs> Just laying there in front of him. Oh, my gosh. It's it's so funny. And then, of course, she seduces him and leads him. The next thing you know, he's in a freaking hot tub. But this hot tub... A bathtub. Not just a hot tub. A ba- like, she's bathing him. It's massive, and it's circular, and it's at the foot of this grand double staircase with this huge, like, mm-hmm. marble chalice behind it and surrounded by plants and things. It's, it's meant to evoke a temple. Yeah. You know? And here he is kind of at the sacrificial altar and he stands up and, uh, you know and she's washing him and again he's just not mature enough to to play into this but um she's washing him and as she goes a little further down and the camera comes up to his face she says my you are a fine growing boy that's the other thing about this movie like there are parts of it like this part but this part isn't even it's not even one of the more suggestive parts like it is overtly sexual. Yeah. Like, so sexual. And, like, you get this, like, she's, I don't remember if she had a sponge or if she's just using her hands or whatever, but I swear to God, if I were a 13-year-old boy, I would have probably watched this scene four or five times in a row, depending on yeah. how many times I needed to watch it. <laughs> but like you know it's so overtly sexual it's crazy and it gets even crazier than that later with like these Mm. crazy enormous phalluses like oh my god it's nuts we'll get there well she has this and if you're paying attention to and i love to look in the background and kind of look for out for this sort of stuff but if you pay attention even in other scenes scenes that don't even take place at this house that have nothing to do with her there are strong phallic images in the background like even hugh grant's character james when he's getting into bed and by the way this guy lives in a literal castle yeah this is like you know marie Kondo went on vacation 
uh, and several generations of families gathered all the junk they possibly could <laughs> and just kept it in every – cram-packed it into every nook and cranny of this house. It in itself is almost a parody of this sort of it, gothic it is. You know, and it's, trope. It's so funny. It, it's a perfect role for Hugh Grant. I'm really not a <laughs> Hugh Grant fan because he just seems like such a stuffy asshole. Like mm-hmm. pretty much everything that I've heard about him in real life suggests that that's really kind of how he is. But he has this very stuffy way of talking, you know, like, and yeah, like, oh God. And he's just per- perfect in this role. Like he'll wake, he wakes up in bed and like his butler is just, you know, waiting for him to wake up. And he's like, oh, Jeeves, bring me the paper. Like, it's just <laughs> so ridiculous. It's so fun. I don't think I'll be able to make it to the breakfast table today. Like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> you might as well have a pipe in his mouth. Yeah, it's crazy. right. But he's but he's perfect for it because yeah. it, it works. And it is. I- <laughs> I think it's parody. You know, I really do think it's true parody. And that's what's kind of charming about this movie, but also why it's just a little... It adds to the disjointedness of it, I think. At times it looks cheap. At times it's kind of a clever parody of these films. At times it's almost naked gunish in its parody and some of the stuff that they're saying. Um, And at other times it's it's really just quite well-structured and quite visually arresting, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of all of these things in one movie, and like what you said, where it just kind of hits you in the face on on a more subconscious level, a lot of these things sort of hit you in the face as you're watching it. There really are really funny things about it, too. Like, so the uh, Sylvia eventually kills Kevin, like, you know, poor little Kevin. She First, she... Does she bite him? I think she bites him, so yeah. he's paralyzed or something, and then uh, she's going to sacrifice him because I guess presumably he's a virgin. She's going to sacrifice him to the worm, but then the doorbell rings and it's James, and so she has to hide him. So she just sticks him under the water and he drowns, uh, you know, presumably, whatever. But before that, like when they're talking and playing Snakes and Ladders, um, she's like, maybe we should have a little music. And as she goes to the record player to put on a record apparently he pulls out a harmonica and he starts playing it and this is my favorite part of the whole movie is like i guess i don't even know what the the requirements are but there's certain music like when this kid starts playing the harmonica like she's enthralled like he's snake charming her and she has to do a little snake charm dance and it happens several times and it happens later oh god i know i'm jumping way way ahead eventually that cop the the wonky eyed cop that we talked about we find out later that he has been turned into one of these snake people and and somebody snake charms him and he does the (laughs) snake charm dance and it's so funny oh my god but it's just hilarious. Like, that's, like, their only weakness. Like, they're, you know, these skillful killers and, and evil plotters or whatever. But whip out your harmonica or your bagpipes. Oh. <laughs> bag and you can charm them and force them to do a little dance for you. <laughs> 
well, uh, and then and then even earlier, and then and then even later, uh, or is it earlier than that? Hugh Hugh Grant, this character James, gets this idea and puts these massive speakers on top of the on top of the castle of his house, yeah, and then finds goes through his parents' records in something that could have been just a quick scene, like oh, I know my parents had this record of some snake charm or whatever. Here it is, and he puts it on the thing. It's long. This is like a 10-minute scene where he finds a record, he thinks is it, and he asks for the butler's opinion. And as soon as he starts playing the record, it's it's right, but it's not quite right. And suddenly, there's a close-up on the butler's face, and he gets this, like, licentious look in his face and starts getting all hot and sweaty, like... That certainly conjures to mind a Turkish charmer, my lord. One of the uh, feminine gender you're... Father in Istanbul. She was what is euphemistically known as a belly dancer. Uh, maybe try the B side. And as soon as that starts going and blasting out across the town, the next shot is of there's a giant wicker basket. <laughs> No lie. Yes! Next to the fireplace, and the woman slowly starts rising out of it. Like, what? Was she just hanging out in this wicker basket the whole time? Oh, my God. Yeah, it's so funny. And I knew, like, I almost feel like I predicted it a little bit in my mind. I'm like, oh, my God. And I think in my mind it was kind of like, what could happen here is that this lady could be in, like, a wicker snake basket and come out. Yep. Yep, there it is. It was perfect. It's true, but, like, the whole movie is eminently predictable. You basically know what's going on. You're at least four steps ahead of everybody else in this. But then, again, it doesn't take them long to catch up either. Yeah. There's a scene where they kind of sit down at the table, these four characters, these four main characters, and end up bing, bang, boom, putting putting two and two and four and four and everything together and basically have it all figured out. They've just got to go and investigate and find out where the worm is. Right. Um, And that's where, you know, all these little plans and things hatch, which in itself is really funny because again, I think, I think it's just sort of parody. I, I really do. I really see this movie in many ways as a parody of these kinds of films, but I enjoyed that part of it. I liked the fact that he was telegraphing everything in advance. You know, even before the police officer uh, reveals himself as a snake, you know it's coming, and, it, and it's sure he pulls up and asks uh, Mary's character to come with him, and he has to identify a body because uh, apparently her sister or no, her mother. Um, has been found and killed. We'll get to that in a minute. But when he pulls his car up to her, it's interesting. The shot is directly uh, on the car, but there is a big, bright reflection in the windshield uh, where his head would be. So you can't even tell who she's talking to in the car, even though you know it's the policeman because you can hear his voice. And there's something very unsettling about that. You know, to see these two characters talking to each other, but one of them is deliberately obscured. And then when she walks inside, there's this long shot of him, just his face. And he's not really, it's not like he gives a creepy, evil smile, but just the fact that they've zoned in on this guy's face and he's kind of twitching a little bit um, just for a few seconds shows you, okay, this guy, something's up with him. Right, he's bit or right. whatever, right, and I right. feel like most movies would hold that out until later. Because later, when she's trying, when when he comes around to the other side of the car, she notices that he's bit in the wrist, and that kind of would have been the moment when you'd think, okay, this is when the reveal should be. But no, he, he telegraphs it way earlier, and he does that with everything. Like you know, from the beginning, that this woman is this white, yeah, 
snake. You know, you know from the beginning that all, I mean, almost all of these things are telegraphed way in advance. And it's got to be, I think it's intentional. You know, I don't think it's just sloppy filmmaking or bad writing. I just think that they meant for you to not really watch this movie sure. and, and be in suspense, you know, as to what's going to happen. There's plenty of shock <laughs> coming yeah, at you yeah. without the suspense of the plot getting in your way. <laughs> well, and that was my favorite part. You know, I'm not going to race out and read Bram Stoker's novel, but you know, I wonder how closely it, it sticks to the source material I, I have no idea but you're right my, my favorite things about the movie were those crazy you know ultimately it's it's basically a mystery like these two girls parents have been missing for a while and there have been little you know like they found the dad's watch or whatever and they found it in this cavern and like they're putting together little things here and there like hugh grant will say totally stupid stuff like oh maybe this cavern was the home of the dragon or like i mean it's just (laughs) all that's kind of you know it's fine you know as far as moving the plot forward but the interesting stuff is uh the surreal stuff like at one point he james has a dream where he's on an airplane oh my god the girls' parents are there, but they're catatonic, and then the girls are, like, stewardesses, and then Lady Sylvia's there, and she's, like, an evil stewardess. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, they fight and stuff. It's and, like Snake Airlines. <laughs> oh, my... It, it, God, it's so... It, it's it, there, There's so much, you know, sexuality, like, lots of shots of, like, garter belts and, and legs and oh, stuff. And the stewardesses start wrestling in the middle, and while he's watching, he's holding a marker that he slowly, like, rises. <laughs> It's so in your face. Oh my god, that was so funny. Oh, I god, what do I have? I have something written in my marker boner is what I have written down. Oh my god. Marker boner. So funny. And then, you know, they go and they explore the cavern and one of the girls, Eve, is like, Well, I don't want to do this. So Mary's like, Okay, well you can leave. So she like starts to go home and then lady sylvia is like just casually up in a tree and she's like oh i chased <laughs> a kitten up here but now i can't get down and so uh eve helps her get down obviously then eve is hypnotized and uh sylvia takes her back to her manor or whatever then sylvia's naked in a tanning bed and <laughs> like she gets out of the tanning bed and she's naked and then she has this like 3 foot phallus like a, like a ceremonial phallus or something and she goes into this whole monologue do you believe in reincarnation eve I do. But then I am immortal, and I have seen the same souls inhabit different beings throughout history. I've seen you before, Eve, many centuries ago, in the time of my lover, the great Emperor Carousius. Yes, I can see you now on your knees, blindly worshipping your false god. Fancy praying to a god who was nailed to a wooden cross. And she tells this Eve to get undressed, which she does, except, like, she takes everything off except her shirt, and then Sylvia's like, oh, that's enough. (laughs) (laughs) 
God forbid you get totally nude in this, you know, since I am. <laughs> Who knows? Whatever. And and then she's rubbing this phallus, like, up her inner leg, and, like, then it cuts to Eve's face, and she's like, oh, oh, like, what are you doing to her? Like, stop mm-hmm. it. Like, oh, my God. Just crazy, crazy stuff. She's checking to see if she's a virgin. That's what she's right. doing. And she finds out she is. So she decides she's going to be her sacrifice. Yeah. And then they have they do that whole setup where James invites invites Sylvia over. He doesn't invite her. He snake charms her over, like you said, <laughs> with, with the huge speakers. And so the other two, Mary and Angus, sneak into the house where they find the girl's mother. But she's a snake person now. That was scary. It was scary. Yeah, that was a scary scene. Of course, the mother is sitting by herself. This is the first time we've seen the mother. It's, you know... Except for in the dream. She was in the dream. Right. And it's strange, like, you you don't even think she's going to be alive, and you're watching this thinking, is she an apparition or something like that? And she's just sitting in a in a very empty room, because no room of this house has more than one piece of furniture in it. Uh, but she's watching TV, and of course, there's a snake program or something on TV. And as they approach her... Uh, she turns around and suddenly she's that crazy, creepy snake woman with the f- huge fangs and the eyes. Yeah. And it's like you said earlier, it's really good makeup. It's kind of like how Fright Night, like the makeup kind of yeah. made that movie. It's the same way here, right? It just, it makes it scary. I'm, and yeah. it's good because it could have been super hokey. That wouldn't have been the right balance. The movie's already a bit hokey. Well, and it's even like she's sitting, the mom is sitting in this huge room with maybe a fireplace or something, but it's just like this huge empty room and she's just watching this little 1980s TV and it's just, she's watching this video of Sylvia like dancing with a python, which again gets very sexual. Like there's close-ups of the snake's tail like curling up under Sylvia's vag. Like it's very... She's got her mouth open, approaching its head. Yeah, it's totally... Well, and, like, she puts the whole snake's head in her mouth. Like, ugh. It's crazy. Just like Alice Cooper used to do. (laughs) True, true. And then the mom attacks and bites her. But I guess because Angus is an archaeologist, he knows that you have to suck snake venom out. (laughs) So he does. (laughs) She's okay, I guess. While that's happening, James is waiting for Sylvia to arrive, which she doesn't. But, like, his power goes out and he sends the butler down to check things out or whatever. And the butler screams, and then the mom, the snake mom, <laughs> jumps out at him. Leaps. Like, I'm not, yeah, I'm not really sure how she got there so quickly. Yeah. Um, but she did. She leaps out at him, and he grabs this sword that is at least as big as he is. Oh, yeah. It's this huge, <laughs> long, like six foot medieval sword that, you know, again. <laughs> Probably the same sword, you know, that's been in their family for generations that killed the, you know, the worm or whatever. It's fun. Oh, it, it's a great shot. Like, it's in slow-mo, and he, like, does, like, kind of a little pirouette kind of deal. And yes! Sli- <laughs> and slices her in half in slow motion. and Like it's nothing. Like, and then, right. you know, he could just lay that down and, like, smoke a cigarette. It is yeah. so, <laughs> it is so funny, I think. <laughs> 
<laughs> but it's so in keeping with his character. And then again, he turns around and he calls, you know, Angus, and they have yeah. a chat. And he's just so suave about it, you know? He's like, yeah, my power's out. Yeah, I know. Well, don't worry, I'll take care of it, blah, 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 blah. Just, I just soaked all that up. It was like James Bond wandered onto the set of Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was really funny. When Mary's mom, I guess, bit her... <laughs> Then there was more. Uh, it's like you you can't call them flashbacks. I guess they're more like visions. Like anytime they get bitten or they touch the venom or whatever, like they have these visions. But then there's this crazy. And you're right. It's so much like an '80s music video. Like it's all Technicolor and it's Sylvia, but like she's all blue and she opens her mouth wide open and there are like these guys like dancing in her mouth and then they come out and they like rape Mary and it's crazy. Uh, we, we eventually we eventually get some explanation. Sylvia explains to Eve that, you know, this Dionan or whatever is this ancient demon it's all very kind of uh the cthulhu guy oh yeah it's very lovecraftian yeah it's very lovecraftian and she kind of like especially later when when we're in the lair and she goes off on another one of these diatribes she, she kind of explains that this whole serpent thing dates back to the garden of eden and so this dionan is really like the serpent that was in the garden of eden and it's been the serpent you know throughout history or whatever Right. You know, it gets all into religious stuff, like how God expelled him and blah, 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 whatever. Um, but it turns out that they had this temple for Dionan, and then these nuns tried to build a convent on top of that. And that's where all this nun imagery comes from. It's so silly. <laughs> and it is. And they try, they do some stupid archaeological stuff too. Like they try, they go visit this cave, which is an amazing oh my location. It's absolutely stunningly gorgeous, this cave location. It was a real cave too that they used yeah. for that. It's amazing. And it looks like a dragon's lair. Like it's, it's, it's very kind of circular. Like, you can imagine a serpent, you know, a giant serpent yeah. snaking through this place. Very, very cool. And it's in it's in the cut in the side of a mountain where you know when you're inside looking out, you're looking down across the the, the horizon. Landscape. It's so beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's really cool. Hugh Grant, James, you know, I don't know. I didn't even follow all of this. Like <laughs> somehow you, there's like a crack in the ground, and the snake is trap down there i don't know stupid. it's kind of it loose and, it, and it's stupid how he comes to these realizations you know it's total movie bs really right the cop okay so the cop picks up mary the morning after all of this hullabaloo takes place and he says that he's taking her to the police station but first they have to pick up sylvia and like you said you can tell immediately that he's evil and so he takes her to sylvia's house um she tries to run away but then he turns into snake man with the big teeth and the scary red eyes but then angus pops up out of nowhere playing the bagpipes this it has to be you know as i was watching it i <laughs> didn't really think that it was intentional comedy but talking to you about it now it just had to be oh yeah it just had to be because not only does angus just pop up out of nowhere playing the bagpipes but he's like in full scottish regalia like he's <laughs> that's right he's in his kilt and like the knee socks and like 
And they have this awful, awful goofy little dance between the two of them where they're just kind of more or less stepping around each other outside around a... Uh, Him and a the s- cop. The big fat cop. It's so <laughs> funny. Actually, the cop leaps on him, gets the better of him, which I thought was surprising. Uh, and just before uh, he can bite him, uh, he throws him back, and the cop gets impaled on a snake-shaped uh, sundial. And again, so comedy. Like, this guy's got these wonky eyes, right? And what yeah. happens when he gets impaled on the sundial, but one of those sundials is jutting straight up through his eye, and the eyes right. at the end of the sundial. Like, ha. Huh, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh god okay so then so mary is inside now we don't even see how this happens but somehow she's captured and she gets tied up like in this evil pit and eve is also in there like just in her bra and panties like tied up in this pit oh it's this it's classic it's like 1920s or 30s kind of adventure movie type stuff yeah it's indiana jones in the temple of doom kind of stuff in a cave with a big big glowing pit and these girls are in their underwear you know dangling over it tied by ropes it's right it you just have to laugh it's so hilarious (laughs) it is pretty funny and angus goes in there and he injects himself with something which i was a little bit curious about but whatever it makes sense later and then he lets loose a mongoose like this mongoose is gonna lead him to sylvia which it does i guess she's just in the next room after all (laughs) right she's just behind the curtain like 10 feet away but she jumps out at him and she's like buck naked and all she's blue blue at this Mm. point And she bites him and drags him into the pit for no apparent reason because he's supposedly dying. And then he supposedly dies, but he's not because, again, it makes no sense eventually. But supposedly what he injected himself was like anti-venom or whatever. Then we see a scene of James Hugh Grant or whatever has a whole crew in the cave and in the cavern which i didn't even understand i didn't understand this bit at all yeah i didn't understand it like he's just absent from this last scene so they filmed him in the cave with a crew i i have no idea what's going on there anyway but then sylvia like summons dionan or dionan or whatever it is and then she straps on (laughs) that huge phallus with the point on the end Yes, like and 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 it's like she's going to penetrate Eve with it, but then the snake starts to come out of the pit, so she doesn't have time. She's yeah. like, "Oh darn, <laughs> guess no time for this." Yeah, she literally says, "Uh, time for ritual, no time for ceremony." And <laughs> <laughs> goes up and starts to cut her loose, so she'll fall in. But at this point, you know, Angus wakes up, he runs over, and he ends up pushing Sylvia into the pit instead. And there's a bit of dangling and a bit of cutting. He leans over to cut off her hand in order to cut her loose from holding on to Sylvia's legs, which is rather silly, but... Right, holding on to Eve's legs. Eve's right. legs, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's fine, but I, 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 you know, the smoke is, like, coming out of the pit, and you hear these roars or stuff, and then all of a sudden, the head of the snake appears, and it looks kind of cool, and yeah. I read that it was, like, a VW Beetle that they just painted up to look like a snake like they just like like the hood of the beetle like they just open and close that's so um, weird 
But it, it looked pretty good. It did look good. But yeah, he he drops uh, Sylvia in there, and then you know he he pulls a grenade out of his pocket cause... For, no, from under his kilt. He pulls a grenade <laughs> yeah. out from under. Like, where was this? Where were you holding this grenade? <laughs> <laughs> and he drops it in the snake's mouth, and the snake explodes. And then there's just a cute little James and Angus meet up outside one of the chateaus or whatever, and they just have a little chat. And oh yeah, and Angus says something like, "Well, you drove the snake out to us." Well, I don't have any idea. Yeah how that happened. Yeah, that was kind of bizarre. And this is where I thought the movie should more or less end. You know, these two guys, they look like each other anyway, just out having a smoke and walking off into the sunset. But there's this tail end to it. I guess the horror movie needs a tail end like this. Uh, Angus goes back inside. He gets a phone call from the hospital, which he had developed a serum, apparently. And they say, yeah, right. uh, there was this mix-up. And the serum that we gave you was actually just uh, anti-arthritis medicine. Uh, but I've got the serum here, and you can come in and pick it up tomorrow. And he looks at himself in the mirror uh, and starts to lick his lips. And then he goes out, and he sits next to Hugh Grant in the car, and they're going to drive along. And then we get a n- more of this sort of double entendre. Look, I don't know about you, but I'm famished. We stop on the way for a bite. Why not? <laughs> so he's a snake person now. Yeah. I, that was kind of giving me little shades of um, uh, an American werewolf in London. Yes. Kind of like that buddy, <laughs> you know, jokey kind of thing. Mm. Oh, man. I swear, this is one of the more bizarre movies that we've ever done. And I can't believe I've never heard of it. Especially, you know, Hugh Grant's a famous guy. I can't believe that I've never... I would have thought that I would have read something about, oh, this crazy movie that Hugh Grant was in that nobody knows about, or or something, Um, but I'd never heard anything. But I want to give a shout-out to Robin, who asked us to do this one, because otherwise I would have never seen it. And it's so crazy and so bizarre, and I'm just glad to have seen it. It's so weird, and I have no interest in ever watching it again. (laughs) But... But I'm glad to have seen it. It was surreal. It was a a weird experience, uh, and I have to admit that uh, it was it was fun. It was kind of just just because it was so bizarre. It was fun to watch, and I was really looking forward to talking to you about it today. Yeah, me too. I, thank you, Robin. I, honestly, like I. I really enjoyed it. I really like you. Like you, I really enjoyed watching this movie almost from beginning to end. Uh, you know, it it just took you in directions that you didn't expect it to go. It was total wackadoodle at moments. It was very shocking at some times. It just kind of checked all my boxes in a way that somehow worked. You know, these kind of movies aren't always going to work. And it's better than uh, the only other Ken Russell movie I've seen is uh, Altered States. And Altered States also takes a strong left turn where it gets kind of crazy and bizarre. And that one didn't really work for me as well. It just it just didn't seem very plausible, even within the realm of the movie, the direction that that film took. But this movie, even though all kinds of crazy, implausible thing happens, this is one of the only horror movies that Ken Russell's ever done. Um, and it just seems like he chose to do more of a send-up of the genre. 
you know, than anything else. Uh-huh. And it kind of succeeded for me in a way that a lot of these, you know, we do a lot of these parodies. We do a lot of these send-ups of horror films. There's, it's, you know, it's, there are a dime a dozen nowadays, but this is one that's kind of stands in a, in a category all of its own. And also, you know, it gives us the opportunity. I often think about this, Craig. You know, you and I have been doing this podcast. We're going on over 160 episodes now. We're in this genre where you just see shocking things all the time, right? Uh-huh. And we've, I mean, the stuff that we've talked about on this podcast, you know, and, and it's helping us, you know, do this checklist. And I just checked off today, marker boner. <laughs> we got to. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good one. Uh, but, but I appreciate that it was bold. You know, it was bold in in its imagery. You know, that was. I don't know. Who knows who the intended audience was, but uh, that could potentially have been uh, offensive to many people. Um, And I like that it didn't shy away from that. It didn't shy Mm. away from the overt sexuality. It didn't shy away from the arguably sacrilegious imagery. You know, if you're going to do it, go for it. And I, I feel like they did. So kudos for that. Not to say that that makes it a great movie by any stretch of the imagination, <laughs> right, but, right? Right. You know, if if you're gonna, you know, go balls out, do it. Yeah, and uh, I appreciate that. Well, I think that's Ken Russell's mo. <laughs> yeah, I think you and I we should we should put the devils on our list. I, I we're gonna have to watch that. You know, sure, in whatever version we can find, maybe. Well, thank you again, Robin, for this uh, wonderful selection. Uh, We really enjoyed watching it. We always enjoy watching your requests. It gives us a chance to do some things that we on our own might not think about doing. And certainly this movie really tops that list. You can get online and find us at our Facebook page. Just search for Two Guys and a Chainsaw. You can also go on our webpage, twoguys.red40net.com, and start a conversation with us. Introduce us to other films that we might not find on our own. Let us know what your favorite is what you thought of this film. We love having those conversations with you. And we always appreciate it if you forward this podcast on to a friend who you think might like it. Spread the word a little bit. It helps keep us motivated to do this week in and week out. Until next time, I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. With two guys and a chainsaw. Chainsaw.